Okay, so hello and welcome back to the Dentistry Online podcast. Um, today I am with Sarah McDonald. Um, so how has your lockdown been or how have the last seven months been for you? Um, I'd say the last seven months have been pretty interesting. So, I mean, apart from sickening myself of banana bread, uh, <laughs> I've also made a lot of uh, pretty rogue Amazon purchases. You know, having a membership to Amazon Prime is uh, dangerous when you've got too much time on your hands. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I've uh, purchased some weird and wonderful things. So yeah, <laughs> wasting money. Um, but apart from that, I mean, yeah, the last seven months have been a bit crazy. Um, I tried to focus a little bit on um, professional development. Um, thanks to FMC, big shout out for all the free CPD webinars. <laughs> um, but also a lot of just, you know, re- personal development you know just really kind of reflecting on you know our profession and you know what we do and also just really recognizing the importance of it you know I think a lot of us just kind of take it for granted what we do a lot of the time but actually you know when it's taken away from the general public you kind of realize how important it really is so yeah glad to be back to work anyway yeah I was gonna say are you are you were you back in June or did you did you delay a little bit more no straight back in June for me um yeah I know a lot of my colleagues sort of staggered their return and um you know um postponed their start date but actually you know being self-employed really encouraged me to get back to work (laughs) (laughs) as a motivating factor (laughs) I can imagine I can imagine but how's it I mean obviously now we are unfortunately um, in my opinion starting to enter the winter but obviously you got back to practice right in the middle of the summer so how how was it with all the PPE and everything was it was it difficult did you struggle to any any major obstacles yeah it was pretty hard going I must say like you know in sort of my job role anyway it's very relaxed like generally it's very casual you know the appointments aren't very invasive and then all of a sudden to have to really head to toe PPE and really just you know almost suffocate yourself isn't enjoyable for anyone um, and especially like I said with my appointments my appointment types they tend to be very fast-paced so every five, five ten fifteen minutes you know so to like you know don doff PPE in that amount of time it's uh, it was quite hard going but I mean I've kind of adjusted a lot of uh, my appointments and the way I work now and to try prevent you know these uh, AGP pr- procedures um, you know, so that's helping, you know, I can sort of tone down the PPE a little bit with that. Um, but yeah, the height of summer wasn't ideal, but I was, you know, fortunate enough to have uh, aircon in all of the places that I work. Whereas, you know, yeah, a lot of my other sort of uh, friends in dentistry aren't that lucky. So, you know, I was pretty blessed in that sense. Absolutely, absolutely. I can ima- imagine that made a world of a difference um, when it came to, to staying cool and comfortable um, whilst working. Um, but I mean, I know these were challenges um, that I think we can all agree are going to sort of stay with us now for the foreseeable. But outside of PPE, is there any sort of obstacles you think are going to crop up for hygienists and therapists over the next six to 12 months? I know that's quite difficult to say because everything's changing um, almost daily. Um, But what do you see some of the major challenges being looking ahead? I mean, it all depends on like the government guidelines on you know the latest restrictions everybody's in the same boat they're just almost playing it by year initially when the lockdown was lifted and everybody went back to work it kind of had a bit of a false economy in the sense that you know we had this influx of patients keen to seek treatment you know and it was 
cosmetic dental treatment as well. So, you know, we were busy. We had this surge of patients who, you know, were sat at home for three months with nothing to spend their money on and Zoom calls to look at, you know, their appearance. And all of a sudden we've got this influx of patients looking to seek treatment. But actually I've noticed even in the last few weeks, you know, with the additional sort of um, lockdown measures that have been put in place in different parts of the country, that you know, the books are quieter. The new, new patients and people who are interested in starting treatment have kind of eased off a little bit. So I guess a lot of people, I don't know, in my sort of situation, you know, hygienists, therapists, dent- uh, therapists who are self-employed, might feel some negative effects in the sense you know employers are going to be watching their spending and unfortunately one of those is going to be you know um what they spend on employees and team members so hopefully we won't feel too negative impacts on you know our working hours because obviously that can have a massive impact on people who are especially are self-employed or associates yeah no completely and and that's um i can imagine that was a, a struggle early on when there was absolutely no idea when you were going to open up it could have I've spoken to a variety of people who said it was just an incredibly stressful time. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you're you're part of our um, editorial board for yeah our new magazine, uh, Clinical Dentistry. Um, yes, I'm absolutely thrilled about that. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for that. Um, so, what what for you? What is it in particular that you're excited about? Um, yeah, looking forward. I'm really looking forward to this magazine. Really, just encompassing all disciplines you know it's really focusing on the clinical dentistry aspect and uh, involving all team members so it really encompasses like every aspect of dentistry it's not separating you know endodontics periodontics it's really just encompassing the multidisciplinary approach and really like I said encompassing all team members as well the fact that I as an orthodontic therapist have been asked to be part of the editorial board is just fantastic and I love how it's not filled with dentists it really is (laughs) and I I believe that's going to have an amazing impact for you know difference of opinions difference of experiences um you know I'd be thrilled to you know write an article and on bonded retainers and a dentist read that and take something away from it and put it into practice and you know equally you know if I was to right something about scanning techniques you know a hygienist might pick up something about that and think oh that's great that's really interesting and again put it into practice and you know it really um kind of relates and we're just sharing hints and tips and hopefully you take away these little golden nuggets and just use (laughs) stuff you would otherwise just not read about exactly yeah (laughs) do you feel do you feel i mean not in a necessarily negative way but do you feel that people do roles within dentistry do tend to keep themselves to themselves so do you think sort of hygienists and therapists do stay over there and dentists do stay in another place and there's not much interaction to a certain extent and I mean I've been a little bit guilty of that in the past myself so you know my background is training in um, a specialist orthodontic practice and I very much used to stay in my lane so I was very just focused on orthodontics and orthodontics only and Um, you know since I don't know moving to London you know five years ago now and incorporating myself into general practice I've really um, incorporated all aspects of dentistry into a patient's journey um, which I really find fascinating and you know you just have to educate yourself on all these different disciplines because ultimately it will provide the patient with the best care possible um, again, that's what you know. I'm really looking forward to with the, the new magazine is that you know it's going to really incorporate you know every aspect of dentistry and just bring it all together. Yeah, and and why do you think that is important? Like, it, 
you, I mean, you did just say it's for the patient's benefit that having this sort of wider understanding of all clinical aspects, you think that is an important um, sort of base of knowledge for a dental professional to have? Oh, hugely. Um, I work so closely with uh, hygienists. I work very closely with periodontists. I work very closely with implantologists. You know, the list goes on. And the fact that they will come to me and ask my clinical opinion on something is, you know, really flattering. And um, I'm constantly learning. I've been qualified for, you know, eight years now, but I've been in dentistry since I left school. Wow. Try not to give away my age, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, um, yeah, you know, I started dental nursing. Um, so actually, yeah, I've uh, co continually learned since yeah, yeah. In incorporating myself into, you know, general practice, specialist practice. There's not a day that goes by that I aren't, I'm not absorbing something. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think if the fact that you started as a dental nurse and now you've come up and now you're a therapist, I think you're probably in a better position than many people in dentistry to appreciate the overlap with roles and how you can take things from certain um yeah like i said certain certain positions in the team and and, and how, how things overlap and, and sharing is important um sure do you know what i think that's actually been emphasized a little bit by by the pandemic as well i think it's in many ways it has brought the profession together um in a way that perhaps wouldn't have happened otherwise i don't know feel free to disagree <laughs> and i agree and another thing that i feel has brought people together is I know this sounds crazy but is Instagram yeah. because you know I'll often get messages I mean my Instagram by no means is you know beautifully crafted it's it's <laughs> not that's not the purpose you know it's, it's purely this is what I do this is my journey as an orthodontic therapist and actually quite often I'll get general dentist messaging me and goes oh I've never thought about uh, you know incorporating an orthodontic therapist into general practice what do you do how do you work how can this fit in with my practice, which is, you know, great. And again, you know, other people who message me as in like, you know, orthodontic nurses who are looking to get into the professionals. So, so, you know, just having that platform really uh, ties people together and it connects people, you know, like, like I said, from all different disciplines, it just um, puts you, it makes you more available, which is and accessible, which is great. Absolutely. And like you said, I think, over the pandemic in particular this has become particularly beneficial and really hammered home just how well social media can work particularly for dentistry um, because obviously it is very much a, a visual is about the visual and instagram is a great place to display that um, with videos photographs and oh, i don't know what that long the long video you know those videos you can put up that that extend the one minute what are they called sure the igtv yes that's it <laughs> I've done a couple, I'm not quite done with the kids, but uh, yeah, I've done, I've done a couple. I've not done any of the reels yet. Yeah, I've not um, I've not ventured into that, but there's time. There is time. There's, they're too new. My friend keeps sending some some reels through to me and it takes me, I don't really know how to work them out, to be honest with you. I'm going to have to spend some time and actually, uh, actually focus on it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think Instagram, like I said, has it's boomed um, over, over lockdown um, within the dental profession. And it's really shown how important it is to have this sort of online presence, I think, in many ways, so that people can contact you when um, when face to face meetings were just unheard of, which I mean, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's not going to stay like that for much longer. I mean, you said you're in London. How how is it at the moment? Is it a ghost town or is it all right? Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a ghost town. Like, yeah. I mean, when again, when lockdown lifted, it was el eat out to help out. I was taking full advantage 
that. I'd almost say breakfast, lunch, and dinner some days. I was, you know, working out, quote unquote. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, things have got a little bit more strict recently. And yeah, you know, there's times I'm in the tube station and I'm the only person there. So it's a bit of a sort of weird environment. I'm not going to rush back to the Highlands of Scotland because of it. <laughs> I am going to remain here, you know, I'll see you through. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's a bit of a different time than it used to be, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, during the first one, did you did you leave London at all? No, I stayed. Oh. I mean, I, try, I booked a couple of flights to go um, home. So okay. again, north of Scotland, but they got cancelled. So you know, flights were being cancelled and it was fully entering lockdown. So I was like, okay, well, I'm here for the, the long haul. So it was just <laughs> me and uh, my plants. Uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Green friends. Yeah, exactly. I actually, um, I, I bought a few plants um, over lockdown. Um, cause I've, I've, I, you know, again, going back to Instagram, you see all these really lovely photos of people's bedrooms, you know, like these sort of furniture slash aesthetic house type accounts where they show you know people's bedrooms and living rooms looking really nice I was like, I'm going to try and copy that so yeah. I, I, I I got a few plants and I've managed to keep them alive for two months so oh, wow. I know I'm impressed I'm not very good at looking after plants um so they haven't died yet no but I definitely d killed a cactus or two like there's no tonight there's no getting away from I really it. I really when you first said that you said I've, I've killed a cat um, <laughs> I thought, oh God, do you want to say this on the podcast? <laughs> I don't trust myself with animals yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a good. I mean, either I'm I'm not responsible enough. <laughs> um, but I mean, for, so I like you said, it is a weird time. It's a weird time to get back to work, but it's also a very weird time to get into um, hygiene and therapy and dentistry and dental nursing, and it can be quite daunting. And unfortunately, there has been a lot of negative press surrounding dentistry in that. You know, it's apparently a high risk environment, um, whereas, you know, we all know it's actually probably one of the safest places to be because you're so well versed in cross infection control. But for those people who might be reluctant to, to, to get into dentistry and into hygiene and therapy, what would you say for to those people now? Would you what would you say to what would your advice be for them, basically? I mean, it's really dependent on like your own situation. So, you know, I've thought to myself as well mm, should I go back to education should I you know expand my skill set and I guess again totally depends on your situation so a lot of people are in a situation where um, everything's completely online so there's no actual physical attendance required for a lot of these courses so I mean that's a pro and a con to different people so like for me who's you know already in the industry but just looking to expand their skill set it would maybe be ideal because, you know, I've already got a good foundation of knowledge. For me, this is just topping up. So the idea of doing something fully online is a dream. Whereas other people, you know, if they're just completely entering the profession, you know, for the first time and everything's completely new, they are somebody who would benefit from one-on-one -on -one guidance, you know, and, you know, being in an establishment physically to allow them to do these practical things. So again, I mean, I'm all for it, you know, develop yourself, educate yourself as much as you can, but yeah, it very much depends on your own circumstance. Yeah, no, I, that's, I think that's good advice. Um, and I think a lot of this has come down to what people are comfortable with, um, particularly when it comes to interpreting the rules, for example, you know, I've, I've come across some people who will not go near me. 
yeah. <laughs> even if even if they're allowed um you know it's they insist on masks and there's other people who who are a lot more comfortable with okay let's just social distance but we don't have to have the masks on and i guess in the same way that applies to to what you just said to um whether or not you you want to get into dentistry and, and hygiene therapy now or, or whether you don't yeah well the thing with you know my profession specifically orthodontic therapy unfortunately isn't um applicable for um like government funding it is a self-funded course so and i mean it's not cheap for a lot of people who are looking to who are in say dental nursing or orthodontic nursing who'd like to progress the course ranges between 12 and 15 thousand pounds it's it's you know it's a lot of money to self -fund. but also another challenge is that you have to find a supervising orthodontist to train you you need uh specialist orthodontist to be your mentor so that in itself is another challenge for people to looking to access orthodontic therapy as a career um, so i mean my advice to them again would just be sort of network so you know and put your name out there make yourself known because you don't know what you don't know if there's an orthodontist out there looking to train an orthotherapist but just can't find anyone just make yourself as known as possible mm. in, in any means possible whether it's setting up a linkedin page or an instagram page or you know just phoning around you know physically or sending emails um just keep trying don't give up you know there is people and i mean that's something i am passionate about is is connecting these people so you know like i said i will get messages emails from people just kind of looking for guidance looking for a bit of help a bit of direction yeah. uh, and i'm more than happy to offer it no that's really nice and I, I, like you said it goes back to what we were saying earlier i think a lot of people were honing in on this networking element of um, of dentistry which a lot of the time I think is neglected um, because there is sometimes a lot of emphasis on on the the practical side of things um, and and this networking part of it is important um, so yeah no. yeah I was literally like I was completely unknown up until about a year ago and you know big thanks to uh, Joe Lovett for sure you know he was a massive help in introducing me to to the right people and mm -hmm. um, you know just even by attending a few of the dental events last yeah. year was a huge help i met so many new people um and yeah and it just it got me into a situation where i was getting exposed to different avenues of my career and where you know it could possibly lead which was fascinating because you know i'd be doing you know purely kind of clinical based things over the last sort of six or seven years and then again dr rona iskander has been a massive help as well she found me through instagram offered me a job so I got a job working at Chelsea Dental Clinic through, you know, Instagram ultimately. Um, and yeah, she said, look, what do you want to do? You know, I can introduce you to the right people. And I said, you know, I'm interested in, you know, doing a little bit lecturing or speaking for, you know, big companies like Invisalign. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm part of the, you know, the team faculty for Invisalign. So I'm, you know, a speaker for them, which is amazing. So, you know, the possibilities are endless. It's not every day all day you're going to be putting braces on taking braces <laughs> off you know there is other avenues definitely i think that's a good thing as well you know i think i'm obviously i'm not a dental professional so i i, I forgive me if i'm wrong but i can imagine the variety um, that this adds to it as well is quite nice it's not just you know go 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 and work yourself sort of into not not burnout but i, th I can imagine it can get quite intense um even pre covid um being in clinical day so to have this element of it where it's about networking and talking to people and like you said, opening yourself up to opportunities that you perhaps weren't aware were there um, is, is, is important. And your, I mean, your evidence that, that talking to people um, pays off. <laughs> yeah, the champagne helps too. 
<laughs> absolutely and 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 it's you know the networking the face-to-face -face, the events it's a shame that that obviously can't be a thing at the moment but I'm, i've no doubt that it will be at some point and in the meantime there there is social media and and that's what people are going to have to capitalize on if they want to network at the moment there's, there's no other way to go about it yeah yeah um so final question um moving away from um dentistry what what do you like to do uh outside of the practice any any hobbies anything you like to do in your spare time anything um anyone um anything that anyone to know about you um oh i'm very <laughs> boring how do i <laughs> no i guess i mean i love to travel right um oh. that's probably one of the hardest things for me about lockdown and current restrictions is really you know i can't go anywhere uh, you kind of getting at your feet a little bit but you know i'm a bit of an adventure junkie after i qualified um from my exams uh, shortly after i took a six month sabbatical and just kind of traveled the world a little little bit find myself <laughs> in the depths of india and uh you know partying in thailand and everything and that was just amazing but you know since then i've um i've trekked a few mountains so i went in 2016 i went to um everest base camp so i trekked to base camp uh, which was really difficult but you know managed it and then i also climbed kilimanjaro in uh, in 2018 yes yeah, so, yeah I'm, i mean don't get me wrong i'm not bagging Monroe's at weekends you know out climbing hills in Scotland but I feel like these big milestones and they feel like a big achievement and I was supposed to do sorry say it again so, yeah absolutely you've just you've just skipped the middle bit and gone straight to the hard ones yeah exactly yeah I just feel like you know go hard or go home just <laughs> this year was supposed to do the highest peak in um, South America but obviously that's been postponed. So it might be 2021. I'm, I'm doing all these things with my dad. He actually lives in Thailand. So I, I don't see him. So it's maybe every couple of years I, I see him and we do these little adventures together, which is quite nice. Oh, that's, that's really nice. I like that a lot. Where um, I, got, I got back from South America in, um, I'm sorry, if anyone has listened to any previous podcast, I've probably brought this up like three times now. I'm like one of those people, like when I was in South America this one time, but where, what's the highest peak in South America? You're going to make me make a fool of myself because I can't oh, pronounce no. it. I want to say it's like Aconcagua or something. Oh, sorry, what, what country? Oh, it borders, I want to say Chile and Peru. Peru, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. the Andes somewhere. Yeah, it's like a massive mountain range, so it kind of borders a few countries. But yeah, again, because it's like completely off the cards, I've not done a huge amount of research, but it yeah. will happen. It will happen. <laughs> how, was, how was Kilimanjaro? Oh, wow, it was amazing. Like... Yeah. Yeah, it's just so many emotions. I mean, because of the altitude sickness as well, you go from like, you know, hysterically laughing to crying and, you know, it really affects your emotions. But, uh, you know, I had a little cry at the top, but uh, it was probably because I'd been trekking for something like 19 hours. But no, really chuffed I did it. And, you know, um, yeah, what, what a thing to say you've done, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and Everest as well. Like I said, you've just, you've just skipped, you've just gone for the hardest one straight away. <laughs> You know, I've not even done uh, Ben Nevis, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I've not done that one yet, but I mean, that's, that's doable in a day. These other things are like, I feel like you're sort of working your way down. So you've started the hardest and you're going to get easier as you, as you go down. <laughs> we'll find out. But um, thank you so much for, for coming on today. No worries. Thank you. Thanks.